This is Kincaid and Breckenridge, exclusively on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I'm Roger. That's Rob. We don't have title belts, but we clean them as a service. Um, We're going to get into the premier's address last night. Uh, It was a wonderful 15-minute made-for-radio event, uh, but they televised it anyway just so you could see what her kitchen looks like. And here's what we learned about Rachel Notley. Likes and owns Granny Smith apples and navel oranges. Now, hang on. Were those real apples? Were those, you know, like those wax fake apples? Uh, yeah. I think she's a real apple kind of gal. Maybe. So, yeah, it was it was odd. I mean, the, the production values were, you know, left something to be desired, I guess. But uh, maybe it's good they were doing it on the cheap. Uh, There's basically her looking into the camera, but there were, was, we were watching it this morning. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it till this morning. There were these weird cuts to like a second camera off to the side. And I think they only did that twice and for like just a few seconds each time. Yeah. So it just seemed really weird and random and confusing, but... Um, all in all, I mean, it was basically what we expected to hear. She's not going to give any specifics about the budget. She teased a lot of things that we're going to hear about in the budget last week and said the same thing she said a hundred times before that, you know, we could slash and burn, but we're not going to. And our plan is prudent and uh, our priority is to get people working. We want to diversify the economy. We want to get off the royalty roller coaster. Thanks for watching. Yeah, I mean, sure, pretty much it. Uh, for what it was, I think she actually did an okay job. There's not a whole lot of criticism to be to be laid out in uh, on that 15-minute address. Um, she did what everybody else had done before her, you know, show a few line graphs, explain how the price of oil hurts the economy, and, and say what every single premier, I think, since Ed Stalmack's been saying, we need to get off the energy roller coaster. So... I mean, it's just kind of like 15 minutes of whatever with a couple of highlights uh, that, that I think bears some further discussion. So uh, you're not going to hear the entire address right here. Uh, we've carved out just a few clips, uh, some of the more uh, noteworthy components of the address, and uh, we'll have some thoughts on those after. And I will say this, too. Um, you'll have had like 12, uh, more than 12 hours to digest this by now, and we're going to open the phone lines at 1030-974-8255. We want to hear from you based on what the Premier said yesterday on this radio station. By the way, so this was my six-second recap of the speech. Slashing and burning, reckless cutbacks, not slash and burn. We could choose to slash public services. Reckless cuts. All right, so if you were playing a drinking game, and whatever the word slash or burn or reckless was said, you had a shot, you'd uh, you'd be pretty hungover today. That's all, that's very political rhetoric. Okay, so that that has a place, fine. If she wants to give a barn burner to the NDP faithful at the party convention, that's fine. If this is supposed to be the premier having a frank conversation with with Albertans, that that just seems out of place. It's political. And so if it's political, then the NDP can pay for this. I don't care if the NDP wants to spend 90 grand to put their leader on TV for 15 minutes. But if this is the premier talking to Albertans, that, that, that to me, I don't think belongs there. We don't need to hear. We heard during the last election all that that same rhetoric. Fine. The Tories slashed and burned. They were reckless. I get it. Or the Wild Rose want to be reckless. We've heard you say that a million times. You don't need to to throw it back at us again. We want to hear then what you plan to do, not what you think your opponents might do. And so there was too much of that for my liking. Yeah, there was also too much um, promising jobs than talking about children. (laughs) 
<laughs> Whoops, spoiler alert. We'll get to that in a little bit. But that's yeah. what I that's what I found overtly and kind of disgustingly political about it. But let's let's get to some of these notes, Rob. Some of these clips from yesterday and and uh, and flesh them out a bit further. Well, let's let's play this one. This was actually near the the tail end, and and she talked about pipelines more than once. So I think this was uh, at least the the second reference to pipelines. But um, at the end, she she you know said Albertans, here's what I want you to do, and then she turned her attention to the federal government and to our partners in the federal government in Ottawa. I say this, we called on you to improve employment insurance and you made progress, but you also have to do better. The decision to exclude Edmonton and surrounding communities from EI improvements needs to be fixed. And you need to give us the tools necessary to get through this tough economy ourselves. That means getting Canadian energy to new markets. It is in everyone's interest to ensure that the energy exports that are permitted under our climate leadership plan get the best possible world price. We must get this done or everybody loses. Let's leave the divisive battles of the past in the past and keep working together. Okay, so something like that is it's going to resonate, I think, with a lot of Albertans to say, you know, that, that we're being screwed over by Ottawa. I, I don't think any premier in this pro- country really has ever gone wrong. Uh, by by picking a fight with Ottawa. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people in Edmonton are justifiably frustrated that uh, they got passed over for, for these uh, EI extensions. And you know, I mean, the pipeline issue speaks for itself. Yeah, look, that was, that was just what she needed to say. That was what a lot of people praise uh, our neighbor Brad Wall for, for, you know, sticking up for Canada, for fighting for Albertans. But the message is clear and the message is pretty uniform uh, across the ledge, isn't it? That... We need some pipelines. We need to be able to sell our oil. We need to open ourselves up to more markets. We can't just have one purchaser holding us captive. So not really a risk to say it. And I think, frankly, it's good that she said it. Otherwise, there'd be just a boatload of questions Mm -hmm. uh, from the absence of the sentiment. Well, you know, but what bothers me about it is she's talking about one pipeline. She's talking about Energy East. If Justin Trudeau came back and said, well, you know what, how about this? How about Northern Gateway's already been approved? Let's, Let's make Northern Gateway happen. What would she say to that? Because she's already come out and said she doesn't support Northern Gateway. Right. What if uh, Barack Obama called her up and said, hey, you know what? I've had a rethink. Let, let's, make, let's do Keystone XL. Let's make that happen. Well, she's against Keystone XL. So I, as much as that, that, that kind of rhetoric I, I think is, is politically smart, it's disingenuous coming from this premier who likes to pick and choose which pipeline she likes. So she wants to get her water or product to Tidewater. Just it's not certain Tidewater. <laughs> it's just only the one out east. Uh, an interesting text just comes in too, Rob, says, I listened to the whole speech. The elephant in the room is that about 60% of the budget goes to wages. We spend more money per capita than any other province. And she had to address this again and again, uh, but not in terms of, of the budget that's tied up in, in public wages, but rather in terms of the services that Albertans want and enjoy. There's not too many Albertans who say, I don't want a hospital nearby. I don't want schools nearby for my kids to go to. And so you can play on that sentiment quite easily if you are a politician. Mm-hmm. And she did. Well, yeah, let's let's go through it. So here's where she's talking about choices, and here's where we're going to hear this this kind of political rhetoric, which is, is additionally unfair because the opposition doesn't get a chance to respond. How is it fair that the premier gets to come on and characterize the opposition in the worst possible terms and then pretend that this isn't political? But nonetheless, here's Rachel Nally talking about the choices they must make and the things they're not going to do. But in the face of this fiscal challenge, Albertans confront a choice. On the one hand, we could choose to slash public services, firing thousands of teachers and nurses, and cutting supports to seniors and families. After all, governments in Alberta have made that choice before. 
but the impact on families was severe. Reckless cuts only download the cost of deficits onto Albertans, creating more economic pain and more anxiety. And they do nothing to address the most important economic challenge facing our province. Alberta's economy is just too dependent on the price of oil. And that must change. And so that's why we're making a different choice, a better choice. We will not be slashing and burning the programs and services that families count on, but rather, with a prudent and stable plan, we will accomplish two important goals. First, we need to ensure that we control costs and spend tax dollars wisely. And second, we need to create jobs and foster economic diversification. Let me start with controlling costs. Since taking office last year, we have combed through government to find savings. For example, we've frozen salaries for members of cabinet, MLAs and political staff until after the next election. We've also frozen salaries for senior public servants for the next two years. And we have taken a careful approach to delivering on our own campaign promises, slowing down their rollout and reallocating savings to where they are needed most. At the same time, we have acted to protect vital public services like health care and education. Now, we can afford to make this choice because Alberta has a significantly lower debt-to-GDP ratio than Canada and other provinces. In other words, we have the fiscal capacity to protect the health and education services your family counts on. But we must stick to a plan that carefully brings the budget back into balance as the economy recovers. Okay, so there's not a lot of specifics there, but saying how we're being, we're being balanced, we're being prudent, we're being responsible, uh, trust us to, to navigate us through these difficult times. Right. But then in so doing addresses a couple of things that, while nice and window dressing, doesn't really get at the heart of the issue and certainly doesn't address the concerns that Albertans have in the terms of what's, what you know, the costs are as they're laid out in the budget. Like it's, it's a cheap headline to say, we're going to freeze MLA pay at 135 grand or whatever it is. My goodness. If you're yeah. making $135,000 in this province, you're pretty thrilled about that. I think they actually cut it back too, didn't they, to something like $128,000. So... They're still not exactly crying poor living up there in, uh, in Edmonton and working out at a ledge. But, but the questions that people have are, okay, what, what about defined benefit pension plans? And what about the fact that, you know, uh, teacher salaries are what they are? And they're not necessarily vilifying teachers in all this and saying teachers are responsible for it, but they are pointing out the fact that, look, you're making almost six figures after 10 years on the job as a teacher. And, and, and what, what exactly does that salary look like? Is it consistent? Is it uh, consistent with the values and the, the productivity and the output that this profession uh, uh, gives to this province? So there's a lot of questions that, 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 that people have of the government that aren't necessarily adversarial, but they're just not being addressed. So if you say something like, well, what are you doing about the defined pension, uh, the defined benefits pension? And the government's response is, hey, look, <clears throat> our staffers all took a pay freeze, okay? That doesn't get to the heart of the concern of most people. No, it doesn't. But I mean, she's trying to portray things a certain way. And if the argument you're trying to make is that, you know, hey, we tried, we looked, we found savings, that's as far as we can go. Anything else would be reckless. She needs to be able to point to something. And it's, it's small potato. I mean, it was more symbolic than anything. Maybe people appreciate symbolic gestures to some extent if, if it's taken as setting a tone. But no, that, that's not a significant cost savings. And, and you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of examples of anything they've done to try and find significant cost savings. So it's convenient to say, look, we've cut everything that can reasonably be cut. Anything beyond what we're doing 
is reckless, is slashing and burning. Right. Burning. I love that word. Not only are we cutting, we're just basically setting fire to things. <laughs> right? Where did that term come from? <laughs> Our farmers would understand that one pretty well. Oh, but yeah. but no, it, it's so true. It's like, you know that our actions aren't reckless because we're doing them and we're not reckless. But if you want to know if an action is reckless, it'll be suggested by our opposition. That's the point. Sure. And that's how she's framing it, which, you know, makes it, makes it very political. Um, well, should we play, should we take a break here? We got, we got more to play. We do want to get to, to your phone calls as well. Um, but we got the chunkier where she's talking about her jobs plan, which I guess ties in with, with pipelines. That's perfect. We get that, building pipelines, there's jobs associated with that. But some of what they talk about as, as a jobs plan, you'd be hard-pressed to, to figure out where exactly the jobs are. Yeah. When we come back from this commercial break, you're going to find out why Roger Kincaid and his wife Erin don't qualify for jobs in Alberta. <laughs> More on that after this. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. All right, Kincaid and Breckenridge News Talk 770 talking about uh, Premier Rachel Notley's address to Albertans last night. A lot of talk about jobs, obviously. People are worried about jobs, uh, even though we had a surprisingly upbeat uh, jobs report out today. A lot of concern. Alberta's unemployment rate has increased significantly from a couple of years ago. And uh, so what is the government going to do to uh, create jobs? Uh, what do some of these things have to do with jobs might be the other question. So why don't we listen to this a uh, couple minutes here from Rachel Notley talking about her jobs plan. First, to support families and communities, we are taking action to provide help to those who are most vulnerable, particularly children. So starting this summer, Alberta families in need will benefit from the new Alberta Child Benefit Plan. This plan helps ensure no child goes to school hungry by helping families who are having a hard time making ends meet. So, for example, a low-income single parent with two children will begin to receive just over $3,000 a year in benefits from enhancements to the Alberta Child Benefit and the Family Employment Tax Credit. In all, 380,000 children are going to benefit from this initiative. Second, the Alberta Jobs Plan invests in Alberta's infrastructure. Former Bank of Canada Governor David Dodge advised us that now was the time to make these investments to create jobs and make our economy more competitive. And so, we are acting. In our budget next week, we will be setting out more details of our five-year, $34 billion plan to build new schools, hospitals, roads, and transit throughout Alberta. These infrastructure investments will create jobs today and benefit our children and grandchildren for generations to come. Third, the Alberta Jobs Plan diversifies our energy markets and our energy industry. For example, the Climate Leadership Plan will help grow our renewable sector, build new green infrastructure, support energy efficiency, and drive new technologies that will add to our exports. And we are taking action to open up new markets. I want to emphasize this point. Every Canadian benefits from a strong energy sector, but we can't continue to support Canada's economy unless Canada supports us. That means one thing building a modern and carefully regulated pipeline to Tidewater. We now have a balanced framework to develop our industry and every government in Canada understands this issue must be dealt with. But I can promise you this, I won't let up. We must get to yes on a pipeline. Finally, the Alberta Jobs Plan includes concrete action to support private sector job creators. In an economic slowdown, businesses can find it hard to access the credit and investment capital they need to grow their businesses and create jobs. 
That's why our government has implemented initiatives to give businesses and entrepreneurs the capital they need to weather the economic storm. We've increased capital to the Alberta Treasury branch by $1.5 billion to support lending. I was pleased to see the ATB announce that it has increased loans to small and medium-sized business by $335 million in the fourth quarter of last year. And the Alberta Investment Management Corporation is allocating a half billion dollars to Alberta companies with growth potential. And instead of shipping our raw resources and the jobs that go with them, through the Petrochemical Diversification Plan, our government is helping Alberta attract billions of dollars in new investment, adding value to our products right here at home, and creating thousands of long-term jobs. Next week in the budget, we will be making significant new announcements aimed at supporting business to create jobs and diversify our economy. So step one in the jobs plan, give money to poor kids. That, that's why I made the tongue-in-cheek comment before the commercial break. Find out why me and my wife, kidless, we don't qualify for the Alberta jobs plan. No. Um, so, look, I think that's a great benefit, sure. Uh, and I'm not going to poo-poo it at this moment in time, though I think there are better ways to do it. But that's not a jobs plan. Well, just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. If she wants to talk about her government's Feed Hungry Children plan... Then, then fine. We, we can talk about what the, uh, you know, the, the child care benefit plan is going to do. It sounds better, too, because there's no uh, illusion that you expect these kids to work it off. You can have this, but you better be out there cutting the grass. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't understand how that's part of the jobs plan. Uh, so it's, uh, it's preposterous to frame it that way. Uh, she talks about making more money available uh, through loans, through ATB. I guess we're going to have ATB then... Okay, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. Oh, I do. It's a huge problem with this. May, may I clear my thoughts? Well, let's, let's have it. Well, because, look, don't let the government play the role of banker in trying to finance businesses in an economy. What you do is you find really, really rich people and you say, hey, do you want to make a boatload of money on the backs of entrepreneurs in Alberta? And then those people will say, yeah, what do you got in mind? And the government will say to you, for every money that you invest in uh, uh, an entrepreneur, we just won't tax it. Go ahead and make capital gains like crazy, and we won't stick our hands in your pockets when you have success by virtue of the success of these companies growing. This is just, you know, it's a long play, right? And the way it works is the government puts money in ATB. ATB gives it to entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs grow companies. uh, uh, And then then they get taxed on the other side. We're going to take more of their profits. Yeah, exactly, right? And then, but that's not how you grow an economy. You grow an economy by letting some millionaire come in and go, hey, you, Zuckerberg, I like you. We're going to put $50 billion into your company make it make it big oh sure and uh, you know and and maybe it's a legitimate concern that that in this this downturn it's maybe harder for companies to to sell themselves to to investors so i don't know that people are going to get too worked up about the fact that maybe people can lean a little bit more on on atb but uh, the notion that these companies would be growing and creating jobs i'm not so sure that that's the case i think everything we're dealing with right now that's what's holding businesses back uh, the notion that, boy, we'd be doing great, just no one will loan us money. I mean, if there's there's a business that would otherwise be hugely profitable and would be expanding and hiring, th- those companies aren't going to have trouble getting loans. So that that's what confuses me about it. I mean, she talks about how bleak things are, but yet there's somehow all these these companies that are just ready to, to go nuts and expand and hire people, but they can't they can't secure financing, they can't uh, secure capital. I, I don't I don't think that's the case. I'd like to know if. Uh... <laughs> if the government would thinks that ATB should invest in Uber, 
Uber's a very capitalized company operating in 400 cities around the world. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, that's a topic for another day. Well, and then she mentioned, I mean, the, the petrochemical subsidies, which we found out about back in, uh, I think, February. It was $500 million in subsidies. So, again, this, this whole notion that we're going we're gonna to diversify the economy, we're going to get off our reliance on oil by subsidizing a sector of the, the uh, oil economy. We're going to uh, create about 4,000 jobs at a cost of $500 million, which works out to about $125,000 per job. That was something they previously announced. She wants to remind us of that and, and put a great spin on it, but it's a pretty lousy job creation program. Mm-hmm. Certainly not a diversification program. Um, okay, well, let, let's do this. Um, you've heard now, for, you heard the Premier's address yesterday uh, on this radio station, yesterday at 645. Uh, for those of you who want to go here, in it, in it, it in its entirety in our audio vault. That's where it lies on Newstalk770.com. You've heard a few clips from it, some of the choice cuts uh, pulled uh, and curated by Rob Breckenridge uh, over the past half hour. Now, we're going to open the phone lines up to you, 974-8255. Jerry has very patiently called in, and he will be first up after the uh, news to uh, to 1030. Uh, Derek's got a phone line as well, and there are still a couple open lines for and you. And by now. the way, we, we do have some audio from question period yesterday that we're going to try to get to because not only was Brian Jean uh, calling out Thomas Mulcair, criticizing Thomas Mulcair, but so too was the Hoff. Sarah Hoffman was criticizing Thomas Mulcair. Now, the federal NDP, they're going to be meeting this weekend in Edmonton. It sounds like they might take a a sharp and radical turn even further to the left, which puts the Alberta NDP in kind of an awkward position. Oh, they would just have to change the name almost. (laughs) They would have to paint the building, change the name and say, we don't even know who those people are. Can you imagine that if the federal NDP adopted the Leap Manifesto at a meeting in Edmonton, what the, like that would just they be, might. Well, well, and Tom Mulcair says if they do, he's gonna he'll push for it, he'll lobby for it, he'll become a believer. I can't wait to see how that plays out next week in the ledge if that's the case. All right, the news to ten thirty is next. Your phone calls afterwards nine seven four eight two five five. You're listening to Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk seven seventy. Mario. Oh, my goodness. It's me, Mario. I love it. Everyone knows that. Is it the first video game you played? I have, like, a very special relationship with Mario. Because Well, in- mine goes back. I remember all the way back when I was really young and you first started seeing video games. And I remember Donkey Kong was one of the first I saw, which I guess right. is technically Mario, right? Uh, that's Mario for sure. But um, that game was way too impossibly difficult. <laughs> Yeah. Like they, if they could go back and make Donkey Kong, they would probably make it a little easier. <laughs> but I mean, my dad used to take me to State Trojans basketball games, right? And and uh, the State uh, Student Building or whatever where the gym was, there was a video arcade in there, and they had this like sit down Mario, you know, like the tabletop game. Because I was short, I was like, oh, that's when I could play. And it was Mario Brothers, and I remember like this was before a Nintendo Entertainment System. I would look at that thing and I'd be like, oh, so badly want to play Mario. <laughs> Give me a quarter, please. I talked like an old wheezy emphysemic. Yeah, but but uh, And then my dad, like a couple of years later, bought the Nintendo Entertainment System, came with Super Mario Brothers, and like we've been, Mario and I have been best friends ever since. Well, and, and Mario's <laughs> as big as there are, you know, as big as it comes in, in video games. Uh, you know, I played Super Mario Brothers. My kids played Mario Brothers and Mario Kart and, and all the different incarnations. And so it's as big as it gets in terms of video game brands. And so we played the little clip of the voice. People know that voice. Mario has a voice. And it's this guy's voice. 
Let's bring him on. This is Charles Martinet. Charles, it's a real pleasure to talk to you today. Hello, Super Roger. Hello, Super Rob. It's me, Mario. Hello to all of my friends in Calgary. You number one. Woohoo! <laughs> Hello there. Oh wow. That's awesome. Now you're going to be in, in our fair city. You're going to be here uh, later this month, aren't you? The Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. I sure am. I am so excited to be there. I can't wait to meet them. There's nothing better than meeting Mario fans. They're the nicest people in the world. Uh, Calgary Expo is so much fun. You know, people will come in costume and uh, cosplay. People meet friends for life at these shows, and it's it's just a a magnificent event. I can hardly wait. So, Charles... You, and I hope I get to meet you. Well, well, well I hope so, awesome. too. I mean, the, the crowds are immense at this expo. It's a huge deal. But, yeah, if we, uh, if, uh, if we connect, that'd be outstanding. Uh, when, when did you become the voice of, of Mario and, and so many other characters in the franchise? You know, believe it or not, 25 years ago, I was doing what most actors do, sitting on a beach waiting for the phone to, to ring. And it did, and a friend of mine said... Go crash this audition. I said, there's no way I would ever crash an audition. I'm a professional actor. Where should I go? And I, I went, I crashed this audition. The, the direction was, you know, you're an Italian plumber from Brooklyn. Start talking, and when you run out of things to say, that's your audition. You're this uh, uh, real-time animation system. We have no idea if it's going to work or not, but you'll be talking live as this video game character. And I had never heard of Mario. I had never heard of Nintendo. I, I didn't get to sit on the little the, the thing and play before the NES, you know? And, and I, 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 I started thinking, you know, Italian former from Brooklyn, hey, get out of my face. I'm waking you. Yeah. I thought, Don't do that. Do something more fun. I mean, this, you know, he's going to talk to kids all day long. It'll be, it'll be more fun to do something more interesting and fun. And I just, what came to my mind was, you know, hello, I'm a Mario. Let's make a pizza pie together. Woohoo! And I started doing that. And the direction was, don't stop until you run out of things to say. And, I, and I, 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 I never ran out of things to say until I heard, stop talking. <laughs> There's no more videotape. And that was 25 fantastic years ago. But as I understand, initially it wasn't meant for the games. It was meant for a, a video project that was part of a trade show or something like that. Yeah, we were doing consumer electronic shows. And we did, it was supposed to be a one-off one time in Las Vegas. And everyone was having so much fun that they said, well, come on and do it in Chicago, too, at the Consumer Electronics Show. So we did that and then and another one and another one and back and forth. And then one day I got a phone call. Mr. Miyamoto would like you to play Mario's voice in a game. And that was for the Mario 64 game and, and Nintendo 64. And I said, let me see if my schedule is clear. Woohoo! <laughs> right. There it was, you know, the beginning of something. And that was, believe it or not, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, I was going to say that you were actually the voice of Mario before Mario had a voice in video games, didn't? Didn't weren't you? Yeah, I yeah. sure, I sure was. Yeah, I would see Mr. Miyamoto walk by, and I'd say, "Papa, hello," and we'd have have fun. He's such a great guy, and yeah, everyone at that company has just been so magnificent to me. I, I do Mario's voice, and one day I go into the studio, and, and there's Wario. Here, put a voice to this guy. You know, hey, I have a rotten day. You know. It, it, it's just been so, such a great honor and such a great joy. And then really to meet fans as well as, as I had the great fun of doing voices in the games. And then I had the great pleasure of meeting uh, Mario fans in, in person. And, and after so many years, you know, I, I played with my dad and now I'm playing with my kids. You know, you can yeah. hear things like that. It's, oh, it's yeah. amazing.
Okay, so the, yeah, there are other voices you do. Uh, like, how do you how do you do a voice for Luigi so that it's a distinct character, but they they still need to sort of sound the same? Well, you know, I, that actually, we were doing this real time animation system around the country, and you know, children would talk to Mario. We only had Mario, and and they said, "Hey, Mario, can I please speak to your brother Luigi?" And I'd say, <laughs> "Oh, sure, hang on a second, I get him for you." Oh, wait a minute, I, you know, I think he's pretty shy, and I besides, I think he's in the kitchen making spaghetti meatballs. I'll wait, hang on, I'll get him, and I'd turn the face sideways and say, "Hey, Luigi, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> My friend wants to say hello to you." Tell him I'm too shy, and besides, I'm in the kitchen making spaghetti meatballs. Oh, he says he's too shy, and besides, he's making spaghetti meatballs. And we'd have this long conversation, but that's how I invented the, the voice of Luigi, was just because we didn't have the character, but I needed to not move my mouth. <laughs> so That's hilarious. It, it, that's amazing. But, like, Nintendo, clearly, they, like, like you, you've, you've shaped this, uh, this, this, what am I trying to say here? You've shaped this aspect of their business yourself. It's almost as though like you, you, you've defined this entire uh, part of Nintendo. Well, it's all been a, a one gift after another. I, you know, walking in the studio and seeing you know, Waluigi and having the honor of, of having him say, we want you to do a voice for this guy. It's just been one tremendous gift after another. And, you know, really, I, I can't say enough about Nintendo because if you play a Mario game from... 30 years ago, and you play today's most recent games. You play Mario and Sonic at the Rio Olympics 2016, or you play Mario Maker. It all comes back as the, the integrity of the game, the, the joy, the fun, the adventure. It, it just, it's, it's spectacular, the consistency and the, the wonder and the adventure and the fun and the exploration of it. So it's, it's not me. I I'm, I'm, I walk in the in the door and I decorate the top of the cake. But it's it's so many people's works for so many years to make an actual game, and I get I get to you know put the little icing on top, and people uh, you know associate me with it. But it's it's really a tremendous team of creative people, and and uh, uh, everybody at that company really really works hard to make it so that the games are are great. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be a fun voice. But has anyone ever taken exception to it? No, and my whole career never. You know, I think so much, and it's such a great piece of lesson in life. Is my, the intention is, is my intention has always been fun and sweetness and joy and pleasure. And I, I do Mario's voice when I'm in Italy for for the the, the media and for people there, and people love it. And it, because. It, it is about joy. It is about fun. It is about the, 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 this character is full of innocence and love and happiness and joy. And that's, that's really the intention that, that, I, that I have behind the character. Yeah, the, really the only enemies that Mario seems to have are like Goombas and uh, <laughs> dragons that would do him or the princess harm. So <laughs> This is true. And, yeah. and what a great character. He falls in love with the princess and spends his life rescuing her deeply in love with, with this marvelous princess. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really remarkable and beautiful and wonderful, the, the storyline and the joy line. And as they say, from year to year to year, it's always, you'll always, if you play your first Mario game again, and you will, you will always go back and play your first Mario game again, if you can, oh, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, the, the, the most recent one... And it brings up the same levels of joy and fun and sense of just 
there's freedom and fun, you know, and it's what I it's what I would wish for everybody is to I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And my wish is that you, you do what you love to do in life and you follow your heart and follow your your, your develop your passions and and develop your own dream in life. Because one thing for sure, life is life goes so fast. Time goes so fast. You should have as much time as you can loving it and enjoying it, you know, and, and that's you know, that to me, you know, just. Just to mention Calgary Expo and, and Mario games and things, it's, it's like that's what it's all about is, is just having fun. And I see people there meet friends for life because they have the common interest of, of joy and that's common fun. And, you know, if you come, you see people dressed up as their favorite characters. It's, it's a magnificent experience, as is, by the way, being in Calgary to begin with. It's one of my favorite cities in the world, and oh, I yeah? can't wait because I'm going to go see Banff and, and uh, Lake Louise and Jasper and drive that magical highway. I can't wait. I love that. <laughs> this is infectious. <laughs> I know, and I hope I'm going to see you guys. You guys going to come, too? Uh, well, absolutely. Charles, listen, we've we got to take a quick commercial break, but we want to continue this conversation with you. So if you, if you could stand by, please. Um, sure. Yeah, because I, I got some more questions about about the character, about the voice acting, et cetera, et cetera, and and, and we'll we'll put the the cherry on top of this interview as well, and and let people know how they can uh, how they can meet up with you at yeah. the comic expo. It's not just it's not just Mario either. Our, our producer Andrea is a bit of a video games nerd. Informed us that he plays another important voice in another big video game. And not only that, remember the movie The Game. Yeah, that's like one of my Love favorite movie. movies of all time. Yeah, Charles is in that, in that movie, so mm-hmm. that, but it's probably a lot we could talk about. CharlesMartinet.com is his website. He's going to be at the Calgary Expo later this month, CalgaryExpo.com. We're back with more right after this. Hey, welcome back. Actually, I've got something for this. As much as I love uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, but I've got this instead. So, no word of a lie. No word of a lie. No kidding at all. My uh, one of my best friends in grade four. We're both Super Mario fans. He plugged in his his Walkman to the uh, TV and recorded this onto his onto a tape and would listen to it. Like this was. Like a tune he had on his uh, on his Walkman. We're chatting with Charles Martinet, who is the voice of uh, Mario. He's done uh, like a zillion video games. Uh, you got to scroll through the Wikipedia page to, to see them all. He's going to be part of the Calgary uh, Comic and Entertainment Expo uh, April 28th through May 1st. Uh, but apparently, it's not just Mario you've done, Charles. Uh, Parthernax. Is that, am I saying oh, that right? Parthernax. Parthernax. Yeah. What brings you to the throat of the world? Yeah, that was a great fun character. You know, it, acting is, is all fun. It's like somebody calls you up and says, come and play in our sandbox. And it's just, it's just awesome fun. I, I've loved every character I've ever done pretty much. You know, I was in a bunch in Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, uh, the, 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 the video games. And uh, uh, just everyone has been fun. But, of course, it always comes back to me, to Mario, because I am so in love with that character, the joy, the fun, the excitement, the, the, the energy. It's great. And you, you're just playing music. I, that's what I hear in my head when I wake up in a good mood. Here we go. I love it. Life is such a beautiful gift. It's such a great gift, and it's so fun to be here. Well, yeah, and, you know, it's it's really fascinating to me, Charles, because in this interview with you, it's quite clear that there's, like, a convergence of that iconic character that is Mario and you, like, your personality. And what fascinates me the most is 
is that like I, I kind of I feel like I'm talking to Mario, and I I I think that's pretty authentic. So, you know, when, when you're doing these roles, like, you know, like, you know, we mentioned the movie The Game, right? And, and, and that's a film that I, I recognize you from. It's uh, absolutely love that movie. Uh, people should rent that on VHS. It's fantastic. <laughs> but, I mean, that character is, is fleeting. That's something that you did 20 years ago, and it's probably not uh, a hallmark in, in well, it's a, it's a great movie, but it's probably not like what you would put your finger on in describing your career, whereas Mario has been with you for decades and is iconic. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. It's a, what an honor and what a joy to to you know hitch my myself to that that incredibly beautiful star called Mario that that is really just a such an amazing fun character and it's true you know I think those elements of of every character has to be true you know whether you're film acting or or, or uh, television or it's all just a matter of size but your commitment and has to be there and the joy has to be there in the character that you do and for me I. I, I, th- that character just makes me full of joy. So I'm, I, I'm just so lucky to be able to express that that joy in what I do. Well, and you know, it's fascinating. I mean, there's still Mario, different Mario titles that, that came out last year, more coming out this year. But what does the future hold? I mean, what does the future hold for Nintendo? What's it going to mean for, for Mario? And what does it mean for you? You know... Lucky me, I'm a voiceover actor. I have no idea about that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. All I know is, you know, I can guarantee lots of fun is coming. I can tell you that much. You know, I I, I played Super Mario Maker. I actually made some levels on Super Mario Maker. I love that. I love the, the Mario and Sonic at the Rio Games 2016. That it is such a blast. And I just let you know, I do play the games. I just don't play them very well. I can get to the point where the princess is not in this castle, but I can never find the one she's actually in. Oh, that's awesome. You know what? With all the secret tunnels that I discovered in the original Mario, I used to get up in the morning before I would go to school and I would beat Super Mario Brothers. And then like, that's how I would start my day. That was my morning coffee when I was 11 years old. You're a better man than I. I'll never finish your Mario game all the way through. I so admire you for that. <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, Charles, this, this, this has been a magical conversation, man. We re- really appreciate you uh, coming on the air with us, and, and our audience has been so engaged. We've had so many complimentary text messages about you while we've been talking. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, and I hope I see everybody at, at Calgary Expo. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, I get the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, and there are going to be lots of other great guests there, too. I just was reading, actually, I was looking at the webpage that William Shatner is going to be there, and I, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be a great weekend, you know, and it's four full days. I'm going to be there for the four, all, all four days, and I, I hope everybody comes by and, and says hi and gets an autograph and a picture, and, and I hope I get to meet you guys. Well, you know, I, I want to go, and I would put down good money to see Mario talking to Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> great. Charles, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rogers. Thank you so much, Rob. You guys, you number one. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Awesome. I never, oh, my God. That's I won't the get best. tired of that. That's, that's great. That's the best. Charles, thanks again. Take care. Oh, right, Charles Martinet. Wow. That was cool, man. That was like, that's that's a time machine right there. That's what a time machine feels like. Go back 20 years and hear uh, uh, the voice of your Nintendo games talking to you. That's Do you so know cool. what Skyrim is? Uh, I, do, I, I do know what it is. Patrick knows. Because Andrea was like, you get make sure you ask about about Skyrim. Yeah, I can see the voice of a dragon. In that yeah. game. Does your kid play Skyrim? Does your kid know what Skyrim is? I doubt it. No. Okay. 
Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't have enough time to play video games anymore. And I hate it whenever we talk to somebody who's big into video games because I'm missing out. I love video games. I just don't have time. And you're playing the new Uncharted series and torturing me with it every day, too, talking about it. Yep. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right. We got to take a break. We'll wrap up this hour. We'll explain the next uh, 30 minutes to you as we head into the weekend. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Roger Kincaid and Rob Breckenridge, weekdays starting at 9.30 a.m. on News Talk 770 Calgary.